Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at RiderFlex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the RiderFlex show for updates on new episodes. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out the book we recently launched, The RiderFlex Guide, Inspiring and Hiring, available for purchase on Amazon. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Megan Hansen on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Megan, and happy holidays, by the way. You too. I'm excited to be here. We're recording this on December 20th for the listeners. Don't know for sure when we'll get it out. Maybe not till 1st of January, but Christmas right around the corner. Are you uh, ready? You, you got anything ready? Are you finishing up? What, what's the situation at your house? Um, we are hosting a Christmas Eve. We usually have a hard time traveling around the holidays just because our team members are all traveling. So we will be here and we'll be hosting. But no, I'm not ready. Haven't gone to the grocery store. I still haven't finished all my presents. So um, got a lot to do in the next couple of days. Uh, so you're hosting Christmas Eve at your house. So how many people are you going to have? Just about about like eight to 10, a small little gathering. Okay. That's not too bad. Not too bad. And yeah. that, uh, is that your, your parents, your husband's parents, uh, kids, you, you got kids by the way, no kids, but my sister and her fiance, they live here. So they'll be coming over and then we'll have some close friends over for a little dinner party. Our family is out East. Um, but we're staying in Colorado this year. Uh, you let me guess your family's in mass or somewhere in there. I noticed you went to school at Northeastern. Yeah. So um, my husband's family is in Massachusetts. I grew up in Maine, but now my parents live in Charlotte. Um, oh. But we lived in Boston for like seven years before we moved out here about 10 years ago. Oh, OK. OK. And now the sister that's going to be over for Christmas, is that Lindsay, the same one you talk about on your website? It yes, it is Lindsay. She works at the studio as well. Oh, she does. OK. Yes. OK. When she comes over for the holiday, she's, she's, like, she's like, hey, listen, by the way, if it wasn't for me, you guys wouldn't even be doing this because it was my idea. <laughs> yeah. She's a huge part of High Ride. So, yes, she does take credit for some of it. <laughs> what is, and she works there. That's her job full time. She does not do it full time. She works in HR full time, but she teaches about five to six classes every week. And she's been teaching with us since we opened five and a half years ago. Now, how does that go when you don't think she's doing a good enough job as, as your sister? Do, do you, are you like, hey, Lindsay, look, I need to have a little counseling session with you. How does that what does that look like? <laughs> Well, you know, at High Ride, we have a really big feedback um, driven culture. And yes, giving your younger sister feedback is not always easy. Or my husband giving me feedback is not always easy. So sometimes it leads to some fights. But overall, we work really well together. <laughs> hey, I just did a post on this today, uh, this morning, matter of fact, on LinkedIn, because uh, our daughter works with Kim and I. Uh, we have a recruiting firm. That's what RiderFlex does for a living. Our day job is a recruiting firm. And uh we have about 30 employees and our daughter is one of them. And Kim, my wife also works in the company. Uh, so uh, I did a post this morning, like, you know, Hey, family and business, it, it can be tricky at times. It can be tricky. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's to say the least. So you know how it goes. I mean, I always say our first year of business, um, I thought my husband and I were going to get a divorce. I did not think we were going to make it, um, but we have made it through. We like have really developed our roles which has helped us a ton. And, you know, now we've been working for five and a half years together and we still have our challenges, but I think we're in a way better place than when we first started out. 
you got to have your lanes, right? You got to have kind of your areas mm-hmm. like, look, like, you know, and not, not that you can't overlap and, and not that you don't talk about the entire scope of the business, you know, sometimes at home, but day to day, I think it's important to kind of stay in your lane and, and do what you're responsible for, um, for the most part, right? That's what Kim and I try to do. I mean, we do cross over, especially on, we find ourselves crossing over on personnel more than anything, people, right? Mm-hmm. People that work for us. You know, she has her opinions. I have my opinions, you know, uh, and, and if we if we end up in any debates, it's usually a, about something people slash HR related in some way. That's yeah. so interesting. And I mean, so true, but I 100 percent agree with like really define what your roles are or what your lane is in order to make your whole work life balance a lot better, because at first we were not doing that. And that was our biggest challenge. And now we really know like, OK, you excel at this. This, this is what you're responsible for. This is what I'm responsible for. And that has helped a lot. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So, all right. So you grew up in Maine, your parents, I think you said your parents are down further South now. Yeah. Well, I moved around my whole life, but I moved to Maine when I was in high school. So I kind of call that home. Um, my parents probably about 10 years ago moved to Charlotte. So now they're in Charlotte, but I kind of called me home, Maine or Boston. Okay. And you moved around a bunch because your dad or mom, somebody had different jobs or what was it? What was the deal? Yeah. My dad was um, in the army. So we moved around a lot when I was younger because of that, but then he became part of a, a leadership team that would go into offices, build up the leadership team and then move once they were in a good place. So usually we didn't live anywhere longer than five years. And then we would move somewhere new which I hated when I was growing up, but now I, you know, it has made me more adaptable, more flexible. And so I appreciate it now. Um, but growing up, you know, your friends are everything. So that was really challenging. So moving to Maine while you were in high school, you were like, you hated your parents for a few months right there. You're like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Exactly. Well, I hated my dad. I, I didn't not talk to him for like six months. We moved out before my dad came out and he would call to talk to us. And I would be like, I'm not talking to you. I, I like hated him at first, but <laughs> I love Maine and I love my friends and my life I built there. So, you know, I appreciate him now. Well, your people skills and your leadership skills and your soft skills and all of it definitely were shaped by the moves. No doubt about it. Oh, for right. sure. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, because you're, you're like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm in the cafeteria with new people. Let me see. Let me see. Who's I got to make friends with somebody? <laughs> you got to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, uh, were you always athletic? Were you an athlete? You played a bunch of sports. Um, was health and fitness later in life or it was with you from childhood? Yeah, growing up, I mean, my parents are very active. My mom still has records at her country club that she swam at when she was young. And my dad was an athlete as well. So growing up, we always did competitive sports, even if it was just like us playing against each other. Um, But in high school, I swam and I danced and um, played a couple other sports, but swimming was my major sport. And so I've always been into sports and fitness. And um, you know, did a club team when I was in high school, but I, I mean, I, I've just loved working out since I was younger and loved being part of a team since I was younger. Were you tall? Because most, I always envision most swimmers as tall. You know, I'm five, eight, I'm a little taller than average, but pretty much average, but yes, um, I guess taller than, I think the average female is five, six. So a little taller than. Okay. And, and your husband is tall too then, because I think I saw a photo of 
Yeah, he's 5'11". He's not that tall, but 5'11", oh, I think. Oh, he okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. And all right. Very good. So you, I guess you were, were you a straight A student in high school? Like you did all the right things then because your dad was pretty, uh, uh, I'm guessing your dad was pretty hardcore guy. I don't know. I'm guessing he wasn't a softie. <laughs> I actually think my mom was more hardcore than my dad. He, she always made the rules, but ah. um, he, he's a little bit of a softie with his three girls that he oh, had. He had th- oh, um, he had three. Okay. All right. Two sisters. Yes, All right. There's three right. of us. So I'm the middle and then I have a younger sister and a young and a younger sister and an older sister. Ah. And um, I was definitely the problem child. Oh, I were. never slept when I was a kid. I was a terrible toddler. I was a little monster in high school, but. The thing was, I still did really well in sports and I still still did really well in school. So I kind of just, um, you know, juggle it all. Um, but I wasn't the best student, I would but say. I grades good, grades good, and, grades good enough to get in Northeastern, though, right? Yeah, true. Yes. Okay. All right. You didn't ever have to call your dad from the police department or the sheriff's office, did you? I did not. Luckily, my younger sister did, but not me. Oh, she's going <laughs> to, Lindsay's going to really appreciate you saying that. I'll throw it right under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh okay. So why Northeastern? Um, and what was the original plan? <laughs> well, you know, Northeastern was such a good school at the time, and I think an even better school now with such a great reputation. Sure. What I really, really loved about it is I wanted to be in a city. I wanted to move somewhere that just felt out of my comfort zone and Boston was a close enough city that it felt comfortable for me, but still outside of the box. Um, and then in addition, they have a cooperative leadership program where you do an internship for six months and then you're in school for six months. And I just thought it was really going to set me up for success. And with real world experience, I would graduate and then, you know, be able to get a job better than some others. And so I am so obsessed with their program and so obsessed with Northeastern. I am so grateful that I decided to go there. Um, I couldn't imagine going to any other school at this point. It really did set me up for success. And one of the jobs that I had in my internships, I worked um, for them after I graduated. So it really helped me to, you know, get my foot in the door right off the bat. Mm, very good. And you went right into marketing and then you, then you got, got pushed into merchandising. And then eventually somebody said, Hey, you're really your people skills are awesome. You should be in sales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know my whole story. I love it. <laughs> uh, and did you have entrepreneurial aspirations? Like, like where, while you were at Pact Apparel, did you like? Were you thinking I want to I want to open up my own company someday, or you weren't even thinking that way? Yeah, you know, even going back to when I worked at General Mills and worked for the small. Um, startup called Fucha Taste Good, which was a chip company, a natural tortilla chip company. I always thought that I wanted to open up my own business, but I always thought it was going to be in food, um, in CPG products, but I never really, there was never really anything that I loved. Um, but I remember when I was working at General Mills, I was just like, I couldn't put my finger on it. I just didn't love it. And my dad asked me, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, I want to do health and fitness full time. I mean, that's what I'm passionate about. I want to do that. And that was, you know, 15 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, but at the time I didn't think I could really make a living in health and fitness. And I didn't even know how to get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was working at PACT, I decided to get my spin certification with my sister 
And I had been watching the studio in Boston grow. A girl um, went to undergrad with me at Northeastern and she opened a studio in Boston called Revved. And I was just talking to my sister about it. And she was like, well, there's nothing here in Denver like that. You should open a studio. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I should open a studio. And then it's all I could think about and all I wanted to do. And so, um, you know, we were kind of full steam ahead. My husband was 100% on board. And then we just kind of started looking into it and made it a reality, which is crazy thinking back now. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But, um, you know, I, I now can't imagine my life without it. And what did your husband do at the time? I think he started the business in 2016. What was he doing? He was working um, inside sales for a company that was out of Boston called Burst Media. And then when he moved out here, he um, worked from home and they did a big round of layoffs right around the time when um, we signed the lease on our first location. And so we decided that he would work at High Ride full time and I would keep my full time job um, in order to pay the bills. Ah, I see. By the way, how did you guys meet? I forgot to ask you that. We met at Northeastern. Oh, so oh, yeah. oh, um, okay. Northeastern's a five-year program and we met our third year and we lived like two blocks away from each other. We had three classes together. We had a lot of mutual friends. Um, so we've been together for a while now. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So you sign the lease, what? And then like the next day he gets laid off and you're like, oh shit. Okay. Now what do we do? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, we thought that, you know, I was going to quit my job and do this full time. And he was going to use his salary to kind of oh, pay man. for our life until we started uh, making money. And then we uh, signed the lease and then we got laid off. And you're right. It was like, oh shit. Now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. So your first experience at pivoting was right before you started. <laughs> exactly. And believe me, we've had a lot more since then, which is crazy. That is wow. That's pretty wild. Okay. Now, but it was your dream, kind of your obsession. So was there this weird kind of for the first six months or however you're like, okay, well, my husband's getting to live my dream and I'm starting to do this other crappy yeah. job. But that was, was, there had to be some of that in there a little bit. Well, and I think that's, you know, part of the reason why I say like the first year of our business, I really thought that we were going to get a divorce because I think I resented him so sure. much because sure. he got to be there every single day while I um, you know, worked, but he was working just as hard, but he was working on the business that, you know, we had built together. Mm -hmm. um, but now looking back, you know, I do think it makes sense the way that it happened because I, I teach classes and I need someone working the front desk while I'm there. And, you know, he doesn't teach, I wouldn't have been able to do both. Um, so I'm happy it worked out that way, but at the time it didn't feel that way. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I can only imagine yeah. at the time you're like, mm. so he never was one of the guys on the cycle. He never was teaching classes. He never did do that. No, he was never. So before we started the studio, I was like, I think that you need to teach. I think that you need to know what the instructors are going through. I think you should teach. This is our business. Um, it's going to be our whole life. And so he taught at a local gym just to get some experience. It's the same gym that I taught, taught at. Um, and, you know, he just never loved it. And I think if you don't love it, you shouldn't do it because this is such a passionate thing when you're up there. It's very performative and um, it just doesn't feel right if you're not in love with it. So mm. he's kind of the behind the scenes, the operations finance guy. I'm more of the instructor management marketing piece. Um, and, you know, again, it's good because we have our lanes and we have our roles and 
Um, so we're a little separated there. Okay. No, I think that's great. Yeah. Okay. Very good. How long did you have to stay in that other job before you were able to join him? Was that like a year and a half, two years? What was that? Yeah, it was a year. Um, our first year of business, we went through a terrible lawsuit with our former landlords, um, which Ooh. is insane to think about. But um, so we were really worried about losing the business and about losing everything we had worked for because we put a lot of our own money into it. Um, so I kept the job until that lawsuit was closed. Um, and then, you know, a couple more months. And then I decided to quit once we were in a better place financially. Let me guess, you don't have to go into all the details, but let me guess, something to do with build-out costs that somebody didn't hold their end of the bargain, right? Sort of. We, um, you know, a spin studio is loud. We play our music loud. I was very worried about that from the very beginning. Uh, and so we purposely put into the contract that they were responsible for soundproofing the building and making sure the building was sufficient and suitable for a cycling studio. Hmm. And before we even opened our doors, when we were doing an instructor training, our neighbors complained um, mm. below us and then also to the side of us. So mm. we tried to remedy the situation by putting soundproofing in after the fact, and it just, nothing really worked. And so they tried to evict us and we countersued them for breach of contract and ended mm. up settling like the day before we were supposed to go to court. Okay. Are you still in the same location? No, nope. We have moved. And honestly, like looking back, that was very hard for your first year of your business. You have no idea what you're doing. And then you're going through a lawsuit mm. with your landlords. It was mm. terrifying. Mm. But mm. looking back, it is a blessing in disguise because we have moved to an even better location. We learned a lot from our first location that we've brought to the second location. Right. And we, right. I mean, are doing a lot better there. Uh, you almost need like a freestanding location with nobody next to you, don't you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You know, now, now we are putting our bathrooms and our hallway in between any shared wall that we have. And then we do very extensive um, soundproofing because of our lessons that we've learned in the past. Yeah. yeah. Well, I could see both sides of that. Not both, not, not, not the land, not the landlord side, but your tenant side. I could see the tenant mm -hmm. side. Like, I mean, you know, uh, you have to be loud because that's your, your loud business. If I was on the side of you, I wouldn't want it to be loud. So I understand how a tenant next to you might be like, oh my God, they're driving me crazy. Um, oh, and so, I don't blame them at all. Yeah, it's not I mean, their I fault. No. Yeah, right. total, totally. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Um, wow, you two major hurdles right there in the beginning with damn. Well, there had to be nights where you're like, okay, fuck it. That's, that's just, I can't. <laughs> I quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but. There were definitely nights where I was like, I can't do this. This is so yeah. hard, especially yeah. for the first year of business. But I mean, it's like, it's all we've worked for. All of our money was in it. Um, mm. And I'm happy we didn't quit. I mean, you definitely have to have a lot of grit and determination as a small business owner yes. to get through grit. something like that. Grit is yes. a key word. <laughs> Did your yeah. folks or friends, anybody, was there any family uh, uh, angel money in here or just, just you and your husband put the money in and then you borrowed? How'd you cash flow it? So um, my father-in-law, his name is Dennis, he um, he put some money in at the beginning. And so he has a portion of our business. He owns 15% of our business. And okay. he has been such a help in like growing our business. He's a silent partner, but whenever we need um, some coaching or need some help through things, he's there to help us. So that's been right. really great. 
Great. Both of our parents are in business. So that has been helpful because we always have someone to reach out to if we have any questions about anything, um, especially at the beginning when we had no idea how to run a business or no idea <laughs> what we were doing. <laughs> oh, man. 50, 50. So it's, oh, so it's not 50-50 because your father-in-law owns a small owns a small piece. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, that's the only investor then. So it's, it's you got you and your husband and him then. No other outside cash. Right. I mean, we basically took a lean out on our house. We maxed out our credit cards. I mean, any savings we had, we put into the business. So it was just, I mean, it's insane thinking about that. And I think we're crazy for doing that. But at the time we couldn't get a small business loan because we had nothing to show for it or nothing to prove for ourselves. So we were like, well, I guess we'll do it by ourselves. Wow. And just about the time, when, what, when did the lawsuit end? Like 20, when was that? So we opened in July of 2017 and we settled the lawsuit in April of 2018. So it was almost then, a year. And then right after that, COVID came. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy, holy cow. Oh, boy. oh, guess what? We can't have any of our customers come to our location. Wow. Great. All right. Now what do we do? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and right, during COVID, we had a car run into our building. <laughs> so that was really great as well. Yeah. COVID, I mean, oh COVID God. was very uh, challenging for, I would say, all small business owners, especially small business owners who have physical locations that rely on their customers coming into their businesses. But you're in the top 10 percentile of the most in fact, most affected. I mean, come on. I mean, holy cow. Oh, wow. Uh, all right. Um, so you guys qualified for and filed for every single possible PPP loan, disaster loan. I'm sure you filed for everything. I, ho I hope. Yes, we did. But, um, you know, I think people think that those loans are better than they really are. You know, I mean, the loan that we got only covered one third of our expenses for yeah. one month. Yeah. So luckily we had, I mean, my husband is very good about saving and very good about managing our money. And luckily we had enough to last us for six months, um, you know, in case we were closed for six months. Um, but we did everything that we could do to make money. I mean, we rented out all of our bikes. Some of our amazing customers said, hey, we'll keep paying you even though we know we can't come into your business just to support, which was really cool because our community kind of stepped up to help us out. Mm -hmm. But um, it was definitely a challenging mm -hmm. time, definitely a hard time and really scary. More uh, tears and more nightmares and more sleepless nights. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever really struggled with anxiety, depression until that happened. And then I, you know, was just <laughs> crying all the time. Couldn't get out of bed. I mean, it was, it was really hard and really scary. Looking back, it's like, you know, it feels like a completely different time. Um, and I'm really happy it's behind us. Interesting. I explained uh, to somebody the other day, I said, uh, I said, you know, I think what I did at some point is I just kind of became numb. I like forced myself to just kind of become numb almost and almost like block it from, from my mind. Like I, kind of just started waking up every day, waking up every day, pretending like it wasn't there and just trying to go forward and not, not think about it and, and get numb to the fear, numb to the fear, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you analyze on it and think about it too much, it'll just drive you crazy. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, same thing. I mean, as a small business owner, first of all, as a small business owner, you're always nervous to a certain degree all the time, no matter what, no matter what's going right. on. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Isn't that the truth? You yes. know, you're, yeah, you're never fully relaxed. I was just telling somebody the other day, we're up in Missouri seeing my family for Christmas. And uh, they're like, hey, why don't you just, you know, can't, can't you just stop working and relax? I'm like, let me explain something to you. When you own a business, you're never really off. Not, not really, because your brain is always cycling something about the business, right? Uh, it's very difficult. I've, I've gotten better, but it's hard. It's hard to relax. And don't you envy just being an employee sometimes every yes. once in a while where you're like, wow, employees, they just come home from work and they shut it off and they don't even think about it. It's not like that for us, is it, Megan? <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I think at the beginning of our business, a lot of our friends or people that were around us, or family members were like, well, you can just make your own schedule. Uh, you know, like you can take a vacation whenever you want. And I was like, that is not how it works. I mean, you are on call 24 seven, especially when you have 30 plus people working for you and texting you at all hours because your studio is open at all hours. Right. right. And right. You know, you work harder than I would say any of your employees and you work more than you ever would work at another business. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think people really realize that until they work for themselves or until they own their own business. It is it is such a grind, such a grind. And there's almost we could do a four hour long podcast on it. And anybody that has never actually been an entrepreneur will still not understand until they actually try it. I mean, that's just. I can tell you anything on this show you want to hear, but until you dive into the swimming pool yourself and actually do it, you, you just won't fully understand. <laughs> and I 100% agree. I mean, yeah. I thought I worked hard before I started this business and I'm like, looking back, I'm like, no, barely, <laughs> you know, it's, yes. it's, um, Aren't yeah, you like, it's do you challenge. do, do you do this? Uh, I, since I've been up here in this little town in Missouri where I'm seeing my wife's family for the holidays. Uh, we've gone into several little mom and pop locations and there was a little coffee shop and another little uh, place that's trying to make bourbon down here. And uh, there was another restaurant we went to family owned restaurant. And I am always like trying to talk to the owner. I'm always like, okay, who's the, is the owner here? Like, I want to talk to him. Like I've just always have this special uh, empathy for small business owners. Right. And uh, there was, there was this great restaurant we went to in this little town and uh she was there. The owner was there hustling dishes behind the bar, moving, you know, with the employees. And I could, I just knew, I knew she was the owner. Nobody even had to tell me. I just, I could just tell. And I, I asked one of the waitresses, I was like, is that the owner? And she's like, yeah, it sure is. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I figured it was. And she came over and snapped a picture with us. And I just told her, I said, you know, her name is Shelby. I said, you know, Shelby, I was like, I said, I have a super, so much respect for everything you're doing. Here it is a Saturday night. You're probably 45 years old. You know, you're back there humping it with these 20 year olds, just hustling. And this is what it takes to be a business owner. Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, yes. So true. I respect business owners in such a different way now than I did before I started this business. And I think that I've started to find a network in Denver of business owners to connect with because it's like no one understands what you're going through until you meet another person. And it's literally like a therapy session just to have dinner with another business owner. You're like, you just 100% understand what I'm going through and you just 100% get it. And that is refreshing. Um, and also, you know, you're in the same boat, you can respect them for all of their hard work and what they put into their craft and their business. One, well. one one final thing on that particular topic before we move on isn't it interesting when you're at like christmas holiday dinner or whatever and there's like 15 family members sitting around you're the only entrepreneur in the room and so 
you know, you're, you're making some small talk conversation and everything and you're enjoying the family, but you're just kind of looking around and you're going, all right, none of you people in here know what I'm going through. <laughs> yes. yes. I feel that way all the time. <laughs> Me too. Um, so tell us, um, all right. So for the listeners, um, let's get this, the, the quick overview and the story in here. So it's high ride cycle, high ride cycle, and it's highridecycle.com uh, is the website. Um, and there are two locations I now, uh, now I think, right? Sloan's Lake and what else? North Glen. Mm-hmm. And North, North Glen. So you got two locations. Plus, I think you are also generating some revenue from an app where people can go from work out from home, right? Why not, you know, I don't know if I got all that right, but why don't you give it to us? Give us the overview of High Ride Cycle as it stands today. Go for it. Yeah. So we opened High Ride about five and a half years ago with our first location, our Sloan's Lake location. And then our second location is in North Glen. And we opened that about three years ago, a little over three years ago, right before the shutdown, um, which was challenging, but exciting enough, we are opening a third location in the spring. And that's going to be down by uh, DU by Denver University. And so that's exciting. And then we also partner with a company called Stride Bike. It's kind of like Peloton. They have an at-home bike with a tablet and we film a lot of the content for them. And then um, they do all of the manufacturing of the bike at home. And we just work with that company to film the content in one of our studios. Oh, what about, didn't I see an app though as well? Yeah. So the stride bike also has an app. So they have an app on the tablet and then they also have the bike. So you can just get the app if you want it, or you can get um, the bike with the app. Okay. How do you guys make money on that? Or do, do they just pay you for a certain amount of content? Do you get paid by user? How do you guys make money on that? We get paid, um, per class that we film for them. So all of the content that we film. Uh And then in addition to that, you know, we help them sell bikes to some of our customers who have moved across country. And so they give us a little bit of a um, bonus on each bike that we sell. How about residuals? Why can't you tell them, look, every single time this film is played, you're going to pay us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe one day we'll be able to do that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was, that's yeah, totally. How is that? uh, I don't want to, I don't mean to bring up like what could be competitors. How's it different from iFit, uh, which don't they have like a video thing too, or does they, somebody's doing some filming for them. Right. And the reason I know this is because RiderFlex, our recruiting firm, we do some, we, we do some recruiting for iFit and my wife has one of those bikes uh, with the iFit app on it. So I see the, I see the instructors doing, doing their thing. How, how's it different or is it the same or? You know, I bet it is very similar. I've never ridden one of their classes, but it's probably very similar with different instructors, a different bike. The stride bike is really, really sturdy and it's pretty affordable, which is nice. And then the tablet that they have is unlocked. So you can watch, you know, our classes or you can watch Hulu or Netflix on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of just depends on what you're looking for. But I'm sure that a lot of the other bikes follow the cadence and the RPMs and the um, resistance queuing and everything that we do. So it's probably very similar. Well, one thing I do know for sure that's different is they don't have the whole, I'm going to say dance, but I, I know that's not the right word, right? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what's give me the right verbiage. Uh, what, what's the, yeah. So we call our ride a dance party on a bike. We ride to the beat of the music and then add upper body movements in to get a full body workout. Most of our classes are 45 minutes in studio on the app. We have anything that ranges from 10 minutes 
to 60 minutes. So it depends on, you know, how much time you have in between a work call or something at home. Um, but in the studio, it's 45 minutes and we ride to the beat of the music. We have a lot of different um, styles on the app. So we have performance rides and we have low impact rides and we do have the dancey rides that you were talking about. Um, but in studio, we have our signature high ride method, which is just riding to the beat with those movements that i talked about uh, the website's great and i love the little videos and stuff it's very cool very cool it, yeah uh, i will say can you mix in a few more old more few more older people in the in the video i don't know this <laughs> sure. <way>. we would <laughs> love it <laughs> uh your average age of a client you call them clients i don't know what you call them clients customers um clients or riders yeah riders your average riders how old do you think about 34 and I would say, I mean, I know this because I just did a report on this, but 90% female right now. I noticed that in the videos. Couldn't help but notice that, uh, which is really attractive for single guys. <laughs> but I don't know about the rest yes, of the perfect. guys. <laughs> you know, yeah. How do you, that's an interesting question. And I actually didn't prep that question ahead of time before the interview. How do you get 40-year-old married dudes in there? Like, how do you do that? How, I mean, is that like, that is an untapped market, isn't it? You know, it's interesting because I feel like when, when men come with their partner, they love it. They realize it's a really good cardio workout and it's really challenging for them. So they love it, but they're just a little bit less apt to just go into a workout studio and try it without someone pushing them. So they take a little bit longer, but once they do come, then they're addicted to it and they stay longer with us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all about, our marketing too. So we do a lot of social media advertising and we cater to men and women from the ages of 25 to 45. Um, that's who we try to target. Interesting that those 40 year old guys will go into the gym and lift free weights. Um, right. Yeah. Cause you're, cause you're, I wonder what the stats are on free weight gym membership, people, male versus females, probably heavily dominated male. I would think I don't know, right. wrong, but I I don't know. I don't know, but I do think, you know, I would agree with you. I think they're more comfortable going to a gym and lifting weights than they are going to a group fitness class and maybe looking like a fool for their first class or something. Cause you know, it's not easy. Your first class, you're kind of just figuring it out. Your first three to five classes, we say, you're just figuring out our ride and getting used to our movements. And at first, you know, everyone is a newbie. Everyone's a beginner and they don't know what they're doing. So you just oh. have to learn and Throw yourself take, into it. Um, I'm sure you've thought about the next thing I'm about to say, because I can tell you what goes through the mind of a 55 year old man like me. And uh, and I'm married, of course, my wonderful, beautiful wife for 22 years, who's right over there because we're in our RV and she can hear everything I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what goes through my mind as going through a, what would be intimidating for me, not just the fact that everybody there is in better shape than me. That would be one thing. The other thing would be, yes, heavily female, heavily younger than me and my uh you know there's a lot of beautiful people around in the room i'm not one of them <laughs> so i'm not, and so i'm there i'm like look at all these beautiful people i'm just the old overweight 55 year old dude and everybody's gonna think i'm some old creeper guy being in here and i'm just here to look at the girls they're gonna think i'm weird like that's what would go through my head that's what would go that's so funny because i don't think that really goes through anyone's head like look at the old creepy guy. And okay. I also okay. think, you know, in our studio, we do a really good job. Our whole team does a really good job of not focusing on age, weight, okay. body shape, um, ethnic, ethnicity, social 
okay. status, um, gender, because we really want to welcome and make everyone feel comfortable, no matter you know who you are or where you come from, no matter if you've come to a cycling class zero times or 1000 times. So okay. that's really important to me that we don't, don't, you know, judge a book by its cover and um, judge should, someone by what they look like. You should give a bonus to the women that are married. If they bring their husband in, they, they should, they should get yeah. like a discount. You get your husband yeah. to join. It's like X amount off. Uh, I just thought of a great comparison. I am never apprehensive about going to get a manicure or a pedicure as long as my wife's with me. If, if Kim's with me, I'll walk in there. No big deal. I'm not, it doesn't bother me. I'm not embarrassed. I don't feel wimpy, whatever. I'll go in there. No big deal. But if she's not with me, I, I kind of like don't go in. There. I don't like to go by myself. I don't know why. That's weird, isn't it? Isn't it? Do I wonder if guys think of the same? I wonder if guys well, think, think the same way about your class. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, everyone just wants to belong, right? So if they feel like they are not belonging or don't mm. look like everyone mm. around them, mm. you know, it feels uncomfortable. Yes. I don't think yes. that's only a male thing. I think it in general is a female and male thing. It's an all gender thing. Yeah. Um, but I think men are typically a little bit more scared to try something new and to look like a fool or to yes. look like they don't belong. Yes. And I do yes. think um, that plays a part in it for sure. Well, looks like you're busy already, even without the guys, but uh, you know, cause you got, you got, you're opening up a new location. Is there a waiting list to get in? Like what on one of your current locations, is there like a wait list to get in class or how does that work? Yeah. Our Sloan's like location is um, very busy. We run anywhere from about eight classes to 12 classes a day. And a lot of those classes are on wait lists. We have about a 85 to 90% utilization and we continue to add more classes so that our customers can, you know, ride when they want to ride. Um, that studio, as I mentioned, has been around a lot longer than North fun, North fun. We're still building our membership base there, um, steadily. And, um, that one does about 40% utilization. So are your your instructors, instructors, I think is what you call them. Instructors, teachers, are your teachers, um, contract 1099 or employees? Yeah, so all of our instructors are 1099. We have a lot of employees that are part-time or full-time that work our front desk as well. And clean the equipment and do all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or we have a marketing person. We have an area lead who manages all of our studios and does a lot of operations and sales. So we have a pretty big team for um, you know two locations. Now, I know how it is to manage 1099 folks because at our recruiting firm, out of our 30 people, 20 of them are 1099 recruiters contractors but we try to get them to follow the rider flex recruiting method of course not all contractors want to uh, be told how to do it <laughs> do yeah. you ever get you get teachers in there and they're like well i usually try this well i you know this has always been successful for me if i do it this way and what do you do you pull them on the side and you're like that's not the high ride cycle way what, what do you do with that megan you know, from the very beginning, I think it's so important to hire the right people. I mean, I, you know, our number one core value is to show up with passion. And I think that you can teach technique to almost everyone, but you cannot teach passion and personality to people. And so I really want to see people who come and ride at our studio, who support the rest of our team, who, you know, want to teach at this studio and not just teach in general. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say we don't really have a lot of issues with that because I think we just hire the right people and then we make them go through a training program to learn our style. And it's really important to us that they teach the high ride method because 
we want our studio to feel like a brand, whether you come to my class or, you know, Alyssa's class, who is one of our instructors, like it has to feel cohesive. And so from the very beginning, we make that clear. And if, you know, we're not seeing that they're following that, then we definitely, um, you know, have steps to like get them to get them there. Um, Very good. But overall, our team is so passionate and so great, even if they're a 1099 and, you know, they're the, they're the ones that have built this studio into what it is today. Sometimes you have to have clients though. They're like, I really want to, does Jenny have any openings? I mean, Bobby's okay, but I like Jenny better. I'm sure you have that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. We've had instructors like my sister who opened this studio with me and Alexa and one of our lead instructors who have been with me for five and a half years. So they have a huge following that, you know, wants to come to their Tuesday at 6am every single Tuesday and they'll get on the wait list. So yes, everyone has their favorites, but you know, still some of our newer instructors, you know, people are obsessed with and they are their favorite. I think in general, um, our instructors are so strong across the board that you can really go to any of our classes and, you know, fall in love with it, but you're still going to go at the times that work for you or with the instructor that you're closest with. And I would think every once in a while, it might be neat to try a different instructor just to spice it up a little bit. Right. Cause maybe you get tired sure. of, maybe, maybe you get tired of, I don't know their style every once in a while. You're like, okay, I want, I'm ready to see somebody else. Right. I mean, I, with Hey, that happens with us. Sometimes we have clients that work with the same recruiter so long, human nature, you know, it just gets stagnant or whatever. We, we flip a different recruiter into the same client, boof, all of a sudden it's, you know, everybody's fresh again. So who knows? Maybe sometimes they want to, you know, it's good for them to switch instructors, I would think. Well, I agree. And I mean, even when I go to, I try to go to a lot of our different instructors, I feel like I learned something from them and yeah, I'm re-energized sure. yeah. by them. And, it, you know, to see their passion reignites my passion. So yes, I feel that riders feel that and team members feel that. You and your husband then are uh, obviously in super great shape at phys- <laughs> physically. I mean, you have to be right. I mean, you're, you're around it all the time. You're, you're, I, mean, I would think you're in great shape. I don't know. Do you feel as you, as you're going to get older, do you feel pressure around that at all? Do you ever think about that? You're like, okay, how am I going to stay in perfect shape when I'm 49 years old? And You know, does, do you feel pressure around that at all? Like how you, look, what kind of shape you're in, you know, what your weight is. I mean, do you and your husband, do you think about those things? Do you worry about that at all? Yeah. You know, I, um, even since we started, I've always been a curvier woman. I am 35 years old. This is my body. I mean, I work out all the time and I am a curvier woman still. And, you know, I do think that there is this stigma in Mm. the fitness industry Mm. that you have to have rock hard abs and you have Mm. to be super thin and you have to be in perfect shape, whatever perfect shape means to society at the time. (laughs) Um, but what I've realized is that, you know, I have a real body and I, I, you know, am still comfortable being up there in front of a full class of women and men. And, you know, I am not going to starve myself to look like what's that we should look like. Right. Um, but I can cycle, I can outcycle pretty much anyone, right? And, I would think so. <laughs> um, I, yes. And I think that what I've learned is that I am inspiring people every single day, no matter what I look like. It's yeah. it's how I show up in the world. It's the words that I say in my classes. It's how, how I challenge people. It's how I th- how I make them feel about themselves. And that has nothing to do with what I look like. Mm, interesting. Um, and Great that's answer. really important to me. 
Yeah, great answer. Wonderful answer. By the way, if you did, yeah, it's probably very inspiring because if you, you know, look like Barbie or whatever, you know, a lot of the female clients you have there might actually be turned off by that. They might actually be like, okay, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think in general, you know, what we've tried to tell our whole team and all of our writers is like, don't judge a book by its cover, right? You know, some people might look like Barbie and that's their natural shape or some people might be curvier like me or some people might be even curvier than me. But at the end of the day, it's not about what you look like. I think fitness is so important for your mental health and your physical health. And that doesn't always have to do with what you look like on the outside. So, um, So that's important to us as a studio that we just don't focus on that. Really glad you said that. Uh, For me, when I do my little exercises, which is nothing compared to what you do on a regular basis, but I have a little routine I go through. Um, I just think that's what's important. If you just have some sort of routine, Mm -hmm. the psychological effect of that, um, I believe to be huge. I, I think it just sets your tone for the day or whatever. If you just accomplish whatever that is, you know, maybe you're gonna do. 50 setups okay whatever like whatever your goal is you know maybe you're going to walk three miles maybe you're going to walk one mile uh, you know if you'll just get into a routine and do it you know you don't have to look like a hollywood movie star when none of us none of us have time to just work out all the time except for maybe you because you do it for a living but because <laughs> it's my life yeah uh, you know but um just get into a routine because it's it's it will make you feel better about yourself mentally physically get your heart racing a little bit. That's what's important. You don't have to look like uh, a super athlete, you know, just to do things. Cause I, and I'm a big believer in that. I, Cause when I don't do my routine in the mornings, I always have a crappy day. It just never, it just doesn't yeah. feel right all day long. I just don't, I just don't feel good. I don't know. I feel out of, out of sorts, you know, if I don't do my, well, and it gives you energy and it gives you the yes. right chemicals are released in your brain, you know, to make you happier after you work out. So yes, that is very important to us. And that's what we preach at high ride that your physical health, very important, your heart, heart health, very important, but also your mental health, just as important. And um, working out should be about that too. Do you have a cool little, like, you have like uh, a nice locker room where you can like shower and then go get a massage or a sauna or have a drink or get a snack or what, what's the build out like? I wish that we had a sauna, but um, we have a great locker room. People can come in and shower, you know, after working out, but it's pretty small. We have our lobby. We have our studio room, which is obviously the biggest um, part of our studio. And that has about anywhere from 36 to 38 bikes and then a locker room for female and men. And um, okay, yeah, that's really it. The locker room. I think the reason I bring up the locker room thing is because I feel like for some people that's important, right? Just the whole privacy and what, what, what's the build out of the locker room. And is it, is it comfortable? Um, it's gotta be super clean, which I'm assuming it is. Um, that's kind of a big deal. The whole restroom shower situation for a lot of people I think is important. And I think that part keeps people out of the gym sometimes. Um, I would agree. And I mean, especially for a class like cycle, you are sweating like crazy. I mean, you can't just go to work right after you have to shower if you want to go to work, unless you don't sweat, but I'm not one of those people. Um, So yes, that's always very important to us with every build out that we do that we make our locker rooms um, 
comfy and cozy. And also, you know, we have straighteners in there for women. We have shampoo, conditioner and body wash. They don't have to bring anything. We have free towels. So yes, all of those things are important to us as a studio. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Excellent. What's the long-term plan here? Are you going to, you're going to franchise this thing? Uh, is that, have you thought, I'm, I'm sure you've had those thoughts. What's the plan, Megan? You know, we want to open our third location. We want to have proof of com- concepts in three locations. And we have talked to people here and there about doing joint ventures, um, but okay. nothing has really panned out. I do think potentially in the future, we would be interested in franchising or, you know, doing a partnership like that. But right now um, we're just really focused on our three locations and growing them and making them all very successful and profitable um, before we move forward. How about location within a location? Like, you know, at some giant health club, like the Denver health club or something. Any of you, any thoughts there? You know, I, I like that idea, but it would have to be done right because our studio is, you know, the lighting, the music, the dark room, the words that we put on the wall, all of that is very important. So we would have to have control over making sure that it feels like the high ride, even if it is in a different location. Um, but it's something we would be open to. I think we're always open to hearing different ideas. And if it makes sense, you know, we're full steam ahead and in for it. Okay. Very good. Well, Hey, congratulations on, uh, Hey, I mean, now at this point you've faced a lot of hurdles. I mean, little problems now come along. You're like, yeah, whatever. That, that's easy compared to what we've been through. Right. I mean, you, you've made it through a lot already. Congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does, it does feel like that, but you know, there's always something you don't expect things to be thrown at you, but they always are small and big. And, you know, you just got to work through them every single day. And you sounds like you have congratulations to you and Scott and uh, the entire team there. And thank you for sharing your story, Megan. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Steve. It was great chatting with you.